this song, it means something pretty special to Jimmy and I, I think. When they were rehearsing this morning, it caught me off guard. I bawled like a baby in the back. You may be seated. There's a little girl named Lucy that learned to lead worship to this song, and she passed away in June, and I buried her this, this year. She was 18 years old. As I think about the lyrics, Kevin, if you could bring back the uh, last couple of lyrics that said, uh, Holy are you, God. Holy are you, God. Holy is your name with everything I've got. My heart will sing how I love you. And if you could have written a song for Lucy, this would have been the song that would have been on her lips. And I think as I thought about it and as I was sorrowful and weepy, I also thought, this is what Lucy gets to sing every day, all the time, for eternity. And if you would have watched her sitting next, standing next to Jimmy, singing this song and doing the harmonies and figuring out how that works, you'd have known she was prepping for eternity. As we talk about money, we're talking about a little girl learning how to worship her God. We're not talking about Bills, and we're not talking about raises for people. We're talking about little kids falling in love with Jesus. I didn't want to get all sappy. But this morning, God showed me that in a totally different way. And it hit me at, what, 9.15 this morning when you guys were going over it. I walked in, got blindsided, walked in, and the Lord said, hey, that's what this is about. That's what this is about. And so as we conclude this series on money, let us think about who are the kids that we're affecting. It's really easy to do that this morning. It's state convention week. All you got to do is look at an empty seat and go, I know who's supposed to be sitting there. I want this to be a place. When I first moved here, and I was getting my library card and certain, you know, doing the firsts that you do, it was really interesting because everybody that I talked to, they said, oh, yeah, my kid used to go to youth there, or I know the youth program there. It's like, when did they go? Oh, boom, back, back when, one, one. But it was so interesting to see that this church's legacy has been students and kids And we're getting ready to see that again. I was going to save this to the end, but I think it's appropriate now. Kelly called me Friday night. I said, well, how's it going? She said, you would not believe what's going on here. I said, why? What's going on? What happened now? She said, they're leading. I said, what do you mean? She goes, they're in the front. They're the first to raise their hands. They're the first to worship. They're the first to to start singing. They're the first. Last year, I walked in there. I taught one of the sessions. I walked in there. Our kids were in the very back row. 
I walked in, whoa, hey, everybody, you know, with a bigger, gregarious personality and started getting people excited. My kids looked at me like, what in the world? These kids looked at me, what is going on? Then they look at Kelly, you married him? She goes, no, 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 no. Now our group's the group everyone's looking at and saying, what is wrong with them? This is a huge culture shift. Huge. And as a year ago, we took an offering to renovate, remodel, repurpose, recapture the basement. The mold-filled cesspool that it was. <laughs> we painstakingly cleaned it, removed screws, hung drywall. Perry spent 18,000 hours sanding one spot of, of, of mud. <laughs> But did we do it because we want a nice basement? Nah. We do it because we want to see a culture change. It was so exciting to hear that the culture is shifting. Are we there yet? Absolutely not. You guys are parents of kids like, well, they still act like hellions in my house. (laughs) Culture is shifting. That's what we're investing in when we're investing here. At the church. Sometimes we get so close to the situation, we don't get to see the change until some, there's a landmark later and go, oh my. Yeah, it was funny because Kelly and Paul looked at each other like, who are these kids? I don't know them. Guys, that's what we're investing in here. Open your Bibles a second, or First Timothy chapter 6. This week, I buried my, or I didn't, well, we did, buried my grandpa uh, in Kansas. And we got to go out to um, New Conway, the metropolis of New Conway, Kansas. Surprised you haven't heard of it. Uh, It was Conway Springs. I believe where cars, where the radiator springs uh, came from, is actually, they got the, the impetus from there. Uh, it isn't, you get to nowhere, and then you go a little bit farther, and that's where it is. It has a silo. Yvonne goes, oh, it's just a one-stoplight town? I was like, eh. I don't think, oh, whatever. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if they got the stoplight. <laughs> so, uh, it is what it is. But I had, if you follow me on Facebook, uh, you know that I had a little bit of an excitement trying to get there. Flights are canceled, craziness is going on, people are not very helpful. I called my travel agent, Jimmy Bell, uh, and he, he helped me out, uh, figuring out where in the world I was supposed to be and how to get on a new thing. I mean, just horrible stuff, just on an average day, just annoying things. I actually called the American Airlines person, I was like, seriously, You're going to make, this is a true story, lady. I know you're not going to believe me. You're going to make me miss my grandpa's funeral on my birthday. (laughs) I got this like, she's like, really? I was like, yes. (laughs) She's like, I'm sorry, I can't help you. I'm like, no heart, lady, no heart. (laughs) But as I got on the flight and I'm rushing around and and going through everything the next morning and trying to get there, my flight comes in at 10, 10, funeral starts at 11, got to get the rental car. 
Jimmy had reserved me a Mustang GT. I was so excited. I've never driven a Mustang GT. He's like, All right, he needs to get there quick. Let's do this right. All right, so I'm going to drive a Mustang GT. I'm so excited. I come hop, skipping, and jumping up to the uh, budget place. I need a Mustang. Thank you very much. Got my little reservation with a picture of the beautiful car right there. Oh, you're going to hate me. Why? All we have is a minivan. It's like, Jesus, Jesus, I didn't pray for patience today, Jesus. I didn't, I didn't want to work on that. I said, all right, well, guess what? I got to get to a funeral in 45 minutes. So if you could just give me, I don't care what it is, give that to me. And she says, oh, oh, okay. Just hands me, sign here. Go. And gives me keys and like is scared of me at that point. So I run out there. I get to drive a minivan because I wanted to do that. Uh, So... You go from a Mustang to a minivan. Then on the way home, we did all the stuff uh, there in the funeral, and, and it was a very honoring service and a wonderful time. Thank you for your prayers for that. And on the way home, driving behind a semi, uh, semi-truck in my minivan, and a tire flips off and drills my car and rips the bumper off, and that's going you know, 80 miles per hour down the freeway. It's real exciting. It's a, if you ever wanted to see if you're alive, if your blood pressure to go up, Trickle, trickle, trickle. <laughs> so, that's what happens. It's exciting. Yeah, that just happened. She's embarrassed for me. Uh, it's exciting stuff. And so I ended the day, started the day, supposed to be able to drive a Mustang GT. I ended the day with a rental car of a Prius. There is a problem with that, folks. The, a Prius, you mash on it, as you say in the South, you mash on it. You mash on it, you know, the gerbils talk to each other for a second, and then they start going in the car. It's like, come on! Um, so that was my Monday and Tuesday. And I was, you know, fretting about it. It makes for an entertaining story and whatever. But at the end of the day, all of those issues, all those frustrations, all of those problems are rich people problems. Right? Hello, right? I got to fly in a plane for only two hours to get to a funeral. To drive, I drove three vehicles in like one day. Rich people problems. Oh, my flight's delayed. Wait a minute, you get to get in an airplane that flies 30,000 square feet up in the air? Yeah, yeah, oh. You think about how that conversation would go with someone in, in true poverty, someone outside of the United States. Wait, 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 you got a rental car? They gave you one? All you had to do was sign your name? Yeah, they gave you a car? and now you, Yeah, they gave me a car. That's right. Yeah. Rich people problems. Remember, if you make a combined income over 44000 you're in the top 1% in the world. If you have running water in your house, you're in the top 10%. We all got rich people problems. If we think about our issues this week, as crazy as they are, was I cranky Monday? Ah, mm, I was real cranky. There's a certain gentleman that works for American Airlines that would attest to how cranky I was. But as I, I stepped back from it, I was like, man, these are silly problems. I am blessed that I got to fly to Kansas and see my family. I am blessed beyond belief that that was an option.
So as we finish this uh, today, I want to talk about, first point is God blessed me with more than I need so I can make an eternal difference in the life of others. Do we have more than we need? Probably. Do we have more than we want? No. But do we have more than I need? Jimmy put on uh, Facebook this week, I need to go skiing. He's like, okay, maybe that should be a want. But I need it. I need it. You know, our kids, they're at Toys R Us. I need it. You don't need it. You need food. You need shelter. You need air. You need a smack upside the head. You don't need a toy. God has blessed us with more than I need so I can make an eternal difference in the life, in the life of others. First um, Timothy six seventeen. This has really captured everything that we've been talking about. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life, for true life. To do this, to be able to bless people out of our extra, out of our over our need, it has to take intentionality. You have to be intentional with it. You can't just willy-nilly do it. Because if I just tip God, it's always going to be a little bit of my extra. At the end of the month, you guys know this if you ever sat down with a budget or you didn't have a budget. It's all gone. In fact, you're in the hole. You start, you know, do the Dave Ramsey, every dollar has a name. It goes in a certain spot. You start doing those things. All of a sudden you have extra money. You're like, where, where did... My paycheck did not change. (laughs) Where did that come from? It's because you are very intentional with it. And so uh, we want to develop a giving strategy. I want to help you with that this morning. Hope is not a strategy. I can hope to win the lottery. I can hope to give a million dollars. I can hope that one day I can do all these things. That's not a strategy. We have to be intentional with it. You have some choices to make. I will intentionally share my resources. And we pull that straight out of Timothy. I will intentionally share my resources. One of my favorite stories of coming to this church, uh, Perry Ackerman has told me it several times, and they've shared it on video before. Uh, But there's a part that he left out of the video. And I might embarrass him today, but that's okay. Um, We're good friends. Uh, So we, we... he was telling me about, I said, so, you know, one of the times we're painting something probably around here. I said, how did you come to this church? He said, honestly, my wife told me she, started, she wanted to start giving. I got my heathen butt in here real quick. <laughs> so Lori had been coming for a while and bringing their kids. She'd been part of this church and she made the choice that I want to start giving to this church. I want to start supporting this church. And so she, as Perry, is unsaved, far away from God guy at the time, says, uh, they have a conversation. He's like, mm, I, don't, I don't think that's a good idea, honey. And I'm really churching up his, his response. 
But you can imagine an unsaved person going, what in the world do you think you're doing with my money? They're not giving any of it to the church. Which I can't blame him. He's not, he doesn't know Christ. He hasn't had a heart change. And so his response to that was, if, we're gonna, if she's going to want to intentionally give my money away, I need to have a talk with this pastor. So he talks with Eric, and he clears it all up, apparently. And, and Perry is a life that has been drastically changed from who he was to who he is because of this intentionality of how am I orienting my life. The unsafe Perry of 18 or so years ago was far away from God to now chairman of our board here at the church. That's, a, a, that's because of intentionality. Has there been bumps and crazy stuff and bad things go on in the middle of that? Oh, yeah. But in all of our lives, there's a moment in which we can shift the way in which we do things, shift how we operate, shift our status quo by becoming intentional about it. Change does not happen unless we are intentional with it. I have all the hope in the world to lose 20 pounds. Hoping has not helped me this year at all. (laughs) I hope that bacon cheeseburger is zero calories. It's not for some reason. I have to be intentional about sharing my resources. I will intentionally share my time. Intentionally share my time. I will schedule my time to invest in people, to invest in the church. I, I have a quirky personality. I know this. But one of the things that annoys me quickly, probably one of the only things that annoys me, this is a testament to how good our marriage is, but one of the things that uh, annoys me in our marriage is when food has not been intentionally prepared. I think my mom made every meal like an event. And in Kelly's right now, our household food was just fuel. And so there's a clash between there. But I get annoyed sometimes when I go to the, the and there's, not, there's no intention behind it. It's just like, yeah, let's just scrape together the peanut butter and jelly and the crackers. and the, the, This is not a meal. This is just snacks <laughs> you know, in bigger quantity. And that, I can do that for one or two meals and leftovers, you know, the half-eaten burrito rico. Who am I kidding? There's never half-eaten burrito Rico. It always, it always gets eaten. <laughs> half-eaten chilies, there we go. And, and, you know, I can do that for a while, but I just start to get, mm, come on, show some intentionality about this. And it is what it is. Kelly, so on the vice versa, before Kelly left this week, she cooked a giant vat of chili. You know, I'm eating leftovers all weekend long. I can cook. I'm a really good cook, but so I do my fair share and all that stuff. But she did this for me intentionally so that me and the kids were prepared for. That's the best tasting chili I've ever tasted. Why? Because there was intentionality. There was thought behind it. It tastes totally different than the crackers and the, you know, all of the different things thrown in there. Being intentional with our time means something. I think when we're intentional about our time with God, that he just doesn't get, oh, you know what the, if I could do something there with his 15 minutes. That's not what he's wanting. Sometimes we just tip God with our time. He's asking for intentionality. I will intentionally share Christ. That when I do stuff with my time, when I do things with my money, that it's all about 
because of Christ. It's not to earn a gold star. It's not because I'm a better person. It's not these things. It is with the end goal that Christ will be shared. Why do I give money? Why do I give time? Why do I do these odd things? It's because of Christ, because I'm grateful for how he has saved me and changed my life. This is a wonderful place to put in the conversation with your children. Talk about tithing at home in the car. You got Thanksgiving road trip coming up, probably. Talk about your budget in front of your kids. If you can do that without screaming and cursing each other. Talk about your budget in front of them. Tell them why it's important that you're spending this money. This money's going for the mortgage. This money's going for Christ. This money is going for this. This money's going for your college. It doesn't need to be a secret. One of the things when I was a youth pastor, my seniors, they were begging me. Not, we, we talked about all the religious stuff, but begging me to teach them how to budget. Because their parents had never shared anything about budgeting. And how, how, how am I going to pay for college? How does that look like? I mean, I've got... 25 seniors graduating every year and only one or two of them would know what I was talking about every year. Guys, that's on our responsibility. If we're dedicating our child in this church, it's one of the things that we get to do is say, hey kid, let me show you how to do this. It's a different kind of responsibility. But if we want our kids to be the hope of the future for the church, we have to show them how to be great, amazing church members. I will share Christ with everything that I do. These are intentional actions. Now I want to talk about intentional attitudes. Matthew 6, 19 through 20 says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded abundant harvest. He thought... To himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be for whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. Store up things for a rust and moths can't destroy. The people who invested in Lucy's life invested in a place that rust can never destroy. And that is beautiful to me. That the money spent there, the hours spent there, the time spent there, and all those kids' lives in all of our own kids' lives. Moth and rust cannot destroy that. The first attitude I want to talk about is, I will value stewardship over ownership. Everything we have comes from God, which makes us a steward, not a owner. I rent my house out in Georgia. They are stewards of my house there. I am hoping beyond hope that they are not throwing crazy parties and letting their cats do whatever they want to on the carpet. I want good stewards as my renters. 
I want people who act as if it's their own when they're in my house. So often we take what God has given us and we act like it's ours and we don't care. It's just usable. When all in all, it's actually God's. And a direct reflection of how we use our own things or how we use what he's provided us is how we treat God and how we look at God. Another way to think of this is Jimmy's allergic to chicken. This is a very odd allergy. I understand this, but he's allergic to chicken. Um, And if he handed me a $20 bill and said, hey, go buy lunch. This has never happened, by the way. I think it needs to. But go go buy lunch. I'm not headed to KFC. All right? I don't go to KFC, bring back a bucket of chicken. I'm like, mmm, this smells extra crispy. It's so good. Does he like chicken? He loves chicken. Every once in a while, I'll get chicken wings in front of him, and he's just like, there's drool coming out of his mouth. He's like, what are you doing to me? Yeah, he, he thinks it's all right, but he can't eat it. He knows what's going to happen. Sometimes, with our, it, it, that's just not right. It's his money. And I went and bought KFC with it. What kind of jerk am I? God has given us money, and sometimes we go and do things that are so dishonoring to him with the money that he owns, that he has given us. He's just like a slap in the face. I will value stewardship over money. The longer we talk to God, the better we get to know him. The more I know him, the better I can align myself with what he wants with our money and with his money. You have to have a relationship to know what he wants. Only because I know Jimmy so well do I know that he's allergic to chicken. Right? 90% of you probably did not know this. We have to be in communication with God to know where he wants us to spend his money. I will value people over possessions. I will value people over possessions. It gets very dangerous when you start thinking about your tithes going, that could have been a car payment. But who are you valuing? Are you valuing people or are you valuing possessions? I will value people over possessions. It's an intentional attitude. If you don't love people when you use money, you will use people when you love money. I can't take credit for that one. That's a Chris Hodges quote right there, but I wish I was that smart. Write it down. Think about it. Get out your pens. It's okay. you don't, if you don't love people when you use money, you will use people when you love money. Mm. And it's so true. You've seen it in the name of security or the name of people that you've been around just totally abusing people to get more money. I don't want that to be our legacy. I don't want that to be my legacy. I don't want it to be your legacy. And finally, I will value the eternal over the temporal. I will value heaven and eternity more than this present moment in the next month or so. We get in trouble with this because we think that this is all there is. This is just the beginning. 80 years on earth is just a boop to eternity. 
This is just a training ground for the eternal. The greatest deterrent to radical generosity is the illusion that earth is our home, that this is the end, that this is all of it. Philippians 3.18-20 says, Many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach, and their glory is their shame. Their mind is on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. I will value eternity over temporal. Last year, we made a huge investment in the basement. We had took a special offering for the loft. And it's exciting to start to see. It took a year. It's been done since January, but it took a year to start seeing the investment start to pay off in the hearts and minds of kids. If you walk down there on a Sunday, morning, Sunday night, their worship is different. They used to, just four months ago, go, oh, worship is so long. And now they're doing 13-minute versions of a song and going, that was awesome! Heart change is starting to happen. They're starting to move from singing songs about God to singing songs to God. That is a shift, folks. This year, we're asking for another investment, a long-term investment. We want to take an offering on December 14th. It's going to be a special day. I'm bringing in a special, a special lady to help us lead worship that morning. You're not going to want to miss that day. Be here. Be here, be here, be here. But it's going to be a special day because it's a day in which we are orienting ourselves for outreach. Where do we get the margin? How do we get the, 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 the funds to actually engage into the culture of this community? And that's what we're taking up an offering, a special offering, a secondary offering, not to be taken out of our monthly tithes and offerings for that, that we can have invest in outreach in this community. Last week, we talked a lot about how that could look. You're going to get a letter in the mail kind of recapping last week's message uh, for you just to kind of remind you of those ways in which to invest. I want to challenge you to do that. I want to challenge you to be intentional, to think about it. It's December 14th. The giving messages start this week. You've got a few more weeks to think about it, pray about it, talk about it, argue about it, whatever it's going to be. But I want you to be intentional about that. I don't want it just to be a heartfelt, oh, I'm going to do that and here's what I have. I want you to be intentional, premeditated giving. And the second challenge I have is I want to challenge you to become a percentage giver. This is much bigger of a, of a commitment than just giving for something one time. But I want to challenge you to become a percentage giver. To say there will be a percentage of my income that goes to the church. As we end this year, as we look at our finances, as we start talking about new years, as we think about new goals and whatever... May one of those be that from off the top, the church will have a percentage of my income so that we can bless kids, that we can share story after story of lives being changed, that our legacy will be joining us in heaven, not rotting away where moth 
and rust can destroy. We have a chance to do some amazing, wonderful things here at the church. It's an invitation to be a part of that. It's an invitation to change people's lives. I'm excited for the future. I'm excited for what God has in store for us. As a band come and pl- comes and plays, I want you to pray about that. I want you to think about it. I don't want a quick response for these. I want you to think about it, to dwell on it, to be intentional. We have opportunities to give online and you can set it as an automatic bill pay. You can, you can give online um, through our website. You can do all kinds of stuff like that. The thing I think is important is I know I talked to uh, Pastor Kevin actually gives online. And I was like, why do you do that? And he said, because I want to be intentional about it because I know me. And I see my bank account. And he's 27, so he sees his bank account, and he says, "Woo, fun toys, right? He says, I have to be intentional. That check has to go out because I want to be able to give off of it. Maybe you need to set those parameters for yourself. I like to talk with Kelly, and we actually sit down and write that check. And so it's intentional, and the kids can see us write the check or whatever. They know that giving is an important part of our parenting. They don't get that yet, but hopefully when they're older, they'll start to understand that. Intentionality. We can do this, guys. We can change this community. We can change this culture. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for for today. God, we ask you to do something amazing in us. Lord, I ask for a spirit of intentionality with my time, with my treasure, with my talents, that when you bless us with so much, God, that we want to turn that rack around and give it to you, that we want to make the cognitive choice, not out of guilt, not out of being beat up, but out of gratitude and graciousness to say, God, thank you so much for pouring so much out on me. I want to give it back. I'm just a steward. I want to have open hands with my possessions, open hands with my funds, open hands with my bank account, open hands with my talents, open hands with all of it. God, that you would take it, that you would bless it, that you would give wisdom to the people in this church. Give wisdom to the leaders in this church and how it is doled out, how it is spent, how it blesses people. God, we ask you to bless us and guide us in all that we do. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.